This message comes from NPR sponsor Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. Thanks to Dana-Farber's foundational work, protein degradation can target cancer-causing proteins and destroy them right inside the cell. Learn more at DanaFarber.org slash everywhere. Trips on super yachts and private jets, something Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas has been able to enjoy for years thanks to the generosity of a billionaire Republican donor. ProPublica investigated the extent of these luxury trips and revealed that Justice Thomas never included them in his financial disclosures. According to that reporting, one vacation he took with billionaire Harlan Crow in 2019 was worth $500,000. Crow also bought property from Justice Thomas and his family in Georgia that was never disclosed either. Justice Thomas has sat on the high court for almost 32 years. For 25 of those years, he's had what he describes as a close friendship with Harlan Crow. Thomas says he's done nothing wrong. The ProPublica investigation raises new questions about what standards are in place for the highest court in the land and why there isn't a code of ethics for its justices. We answer those questions and get into a lot more after the break. I'm Jen White. You're listening to the 1A Podcast, where we get to the heart of the story. We'll be back in just a moment. This message comes from Capital One, presenting sponsor of the 2024 Tiny Desk Contest. Earlier this year, unsigned musicians from around the country submitted their original songs for the 10th annual Tiny Desk Contest. The panel of judges are hard at work picking standout entries, and you can follow along and choose your favorite videos as well. The winner gets to play their very own Tiny Desk concert, then headline a tour with NPR Music this summer. Want to come along for the ride? Visit tinydeskcontest.npr.org to learn more. Then check out the Venture X card from presenting sponsor Capital One. Earn unlimited 2X miles on everything you buy and turn everyday purchases into extraordinary trips. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com slash switch. Let's get into it. Joining us now is Josh Kaplan. He's one of the reporters at ProPublica who worked on this investigation. Josh, welcome to 1A. Thanks so much for having me. And Amanda Frost is with us. She's a professor of law at the University of Virginia and studies judicial ethics in the U.S. Amanda, welcome. Thanks for having me. We also invited Justice Clarence Thomas to join us for this conversation, but did not hear back. Josh, who is Harlan Crow? So Harlan Crow is a billionaire real estate magnate um, based in Dallas, Texas. And he's also um, a major uh, political donor um, who's given, you know, many millions of dollars to various political causes, including um, specifically... Uh, groups that are dedicated to moving the law and the judiciary further to the right. Explain a little bit more about his ties to Republican politics. Yeah, so he was, um, you know, he's uh, very closely tied with uh, President George W. Bush. Um, he's given um, over $10 million to various uh, campaign committees, uh, political candidates. Uh, he's been a donor to the Federalist Society, which... Um, has become, I think, more of a household name after you know the, its uh, the network's role in 
recent Supreme Court appointments um, under Trump. Um, and he's also given to various dark money groups and the kind of full extent of uh, who he's given to and where that money's gone um, is not yet fully known. Now, Crow and Justice Thomas have had what Thomas describes as a close personal friendship for 25 years. Your team discovered what kind of luxury vacations Justice Thomas was taking, which Crow paid for. Just paint a picture of what these vacations were like. Yeah, so we found that um, Thomas has been accepting um, luxury vacations from Crow virtually every year for over 20 years. So that's um, private jet flights on a um, very large private jet around the world, um, international cruises on Crow's super yacht, which is staffed by um, a host of stewardesses and a private chef, um, regular stays at a exclusive private resort that Crow owns in the Adirondacks. Um, and all of this took place in secret. Would Justice Thomas have been able to afford these trips on his own? Based on his financial disclosures, it would certainly, uh, you know, the, the value of some of these trips, if he were to be chartering the uh, jet and yacht himself, would have exceeded his annual salary. Um, so one recent example is we found that um, in 2019, Thomas flew on Crow's jet to Indonesia and then spent n- uh, nine days island hopping on his super yacht. And as you said, I mean, if uh, we, you know, we were told that if Thomas had chartered that plane and that boat himself, the cost could easily have exceeded half a million dollars. Well, Justice Thomas released a statement in response to the first ProPublica report about the luxury vacations. It reads in part, quote, Early in my tenure at the court, I sought guidance from my colleagues and other in, others in the judiciary and was advised that this sort of personal hospitality from close personal friends who did not have business before the court was not reportable. I have endeavored to follow that counsel throughout my tenure and have always sought to comply with the disclosure guidelines, end quote. Amanda... He says he didn't have to disclose these vacations. Did he do anything wrong here? Uh, yes, he did. Um, under the Ethics in Government Act of 1978, uh, judges and justices, like other public officials, must disclose income and gifts. And the only exception to that disclosure requirement on their annual filings is for gifts of food, entertainment, and lodging. And that does not include transportation to and from social events, which is uh, part of what the ProPublica story that Josh wrote uncovered. Um, and in addition, the ProPublica story discussed transportation that Justice Thomas accepted to what appears to be events that have nothing to do with socializing with Harlan Crow and his family. So, for example, a uh, chartered private plane took Justice Thomas to New Haven, Connecticut and back for about three-hour stay in New Haven. And Harlan Crow does not seem to have been involved or socializing with the justice. That was a a work trip. But nonetheless, Justice Thomas accepted a free flight to and from. So that definitely would not be included uh, within the personal hospitality exemption and should have been disclosed on his annual report. Sherry left us this comment about ethical standards for federal employees. Hi, this is Sherry calling from West Virginia. I was a career federal employee, now retired. We did, as members of management, full financial disclosures and recused ourselves from some transactions every single year. If anything, we have been shown by the poor behavior of both members of the Supreme Court and Congress 
that they should be held to those standards as well. Thanks for that message. Amanda, what kind of ethical standards are in place for Supreme Court justices to follow right now? Yes. So the Ethics in Government Act of 1978, which I was just discussing, applies to the justices and requires disclosure of income and gifts each year. In addition, there's a federal statute that requires all judges and justices to recuse themselves if there is uh, an appearance of partiality or a reality that they could be biased. And there's a number of different um, categories and, and factual situations under which a justice or judge would have to recuse themselves. Um, and then in addition, there's the Ethics Reform Act of 1989, which um, uh, prohibits justices and judges from accepting outside income or honoraria, with an exception for teaching, as long as their salary for teaching has been reviewed and approved. So those are all laws that do apply to the justices, but there are a few that only apply to the lower court judges. So there are the, the laws that apply, and then there is enforcement. Who's responsible for the enforcement piece of this for the Supreme Court? Yes, and that's the problem. Um, so one of the laws that does not apply to the justices, although I know uh, several senators and uh, members of Congress want to change this, but a law that does not apply to the justices currently is the Judicial Conduct and Disability Act. Um, that's a law that applies to the lower court judges and provides a method for investigating complaints against those lower federal court judges and provides a number of different ways of penalizing them if they violate ethics laws. As I said, that does not currently apply to the justices, so they cannot be investigated under that statute. Nonetheless, there are ways to police the justice's conduct. Um, obviously, the most extreme method of policing a justice who behaves unethically would be impeachment um, by Congress, that is removal from office. But there are many ways short of that. So there could be censure by the justice's colleagues where they publicly state that they think the justice has violated a law or rule, and so they sanction or censure the justice for doing that. Um, and there are other more sort of internal mechanisms that could happen. So, for example, Chief Justice Roberts controls who writes the opinion when he is voting with the majority, and he could say to Justice Thomas, I'm not going to assign you opinions when you don't appear capable of following the laws that apply to you. Josh, your most recent follow-up to this story revealed that Crow's companies purchased property partly owned by Justice Thomas in 2015. What do we know about the actual market value of those properties and if Crow's companies paid more or less than that? Yeah, so this is, I mean, the first known direct financial transaction between Thomas and the billionaire. Um, it's still unclear if uh, Crow paid market value. So he also bought other properties on the same block uh, as the and around the same time. And he paid significantly less to other people than he did in his deal with the Thomas family. Um, Crow told us in a statement um, that he paid market value, um, but he did not uh, respond to our request for documentation or for him to elaborate on the details of how he came to that price. Now, the crux of this issue is that Justice Thomas did not include these trips or the real estate transaction in his financial disclosures. And Amanda, just draw the line for us between what is considered illegal versus what is considered unethical. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, the law can and should incorporate ethical standards that should apply to all public officials, including judges and justices. Um, so, as I said, the law is actually quite clear, uh, the Ethics and Government Act, that a justice should be reporting when they receive a gift of transportation, whether it's to a social event or, as we discussed before, to a non-social event, such as 
uh, Justice Thomas's visit to New Haven, Connecticut. Um, so that's a clear violation of the law, and so it's illegal not to report that. Um, the attorney general could conceivably investigate that, and there could be monetary sanctions, um, maybe even a criminal penalty, although that would be very unlikely. Um, so in addition to that, the justice um, uh, you know, should behave ethically even when the rules don't require it. And so that's another goal of the law. Next, we hear from Senator Sheldon Whitehouse. The Democrat is calling on Supreme Court Chief Justice John Roberts to investigate the relationship between Harlan Crow and Justice Thomas. We'll be back with more in just a moment. This message comes from NPR sponsor, BetterHelp. When you keep your stress bottled up, it can eat away at you. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to make them better. Try BetterHelp Online Therapy, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp at BetterHelp.com NPR today to get 10% off your first month. Support for NPR and the following message come from Scholastic with Hummingbird by Natalie Lloyd. Now in paperback, Hummingbird is a funny, magical tale about Olive, a girl with brittle bone disease who refuses to let her disability stand in the way of adventure. In this country, some truths aren't self-evident. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as wide-ranging and real as the people who tell them, we celebrate the Black experience for all its soul and richness. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get podcasts. We're discussing ProPublica's recent reporting on Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas and his failure to report luxury trips and real estate purchases between him and billionaire Republican donor Harlan Crow. Now let's add another voice to the conversation. Senator Sheldon Whitehouse is a Democratic senator representing Rhode Island. He sits on the Senate Judiciary Committee. We also invited all of the Republican members of the Judiciary Committee to join the program. They were either not available or did not respond to our invitation. Senator Whitehouse, you're calling for Chief Justice John Roberts to investigate Justice Thomas because Thomas didn't disclose these property sales and luxury vacations. Specifically, what do you want to see happen? Well, the Ethics and Government Act provides a very specific remedy, which is the Attorney General uh, investigating a violation and then um, assessing a civil penalty if it's found to have taken place. It's not a huge civil penalty, but I think the key here is the investigation aspect. This court simply refuses to be investigated. And that means we never actually know what the facts are. We're always dealing with uh, a source, you know, on behalf of Justice Thomas or... Um, some statement from the court, uh, you actually need to investigate this stuff and get real answers from real people. And uh, that's what's been missing, not only throughout this whole Harlan Crow, Clarence Thomas saga, but also in the Clarence Thomas recusal problems. And in the Alito and his uh, $20 million whining and dining campaign by Reverend Schenck. All of these things exist uninvestigated. And that's just wrong. The Supreme Court's the only place in government where something like this goes uninvestigated. If an investigation goes forward and there is a civil penalty issued for the justice, does that go far enough to you? Because what we're talking about is trust 
in one of the major institutions in this country? Well, let's take a step back and start with the <laughs> infamous painting that ProPublica published of uh, Justice Thomas sitting there with Harlan Crow, his billionaire benefactor, and Leonard Leo, the little spider at the center of the court capture web who has been operating to capture the court for billionaire special interests ever since he got Sam Alito on the court many years ago. He was behind the Trump list that put the last three Republican appointees on the court. He's just neck deep in the manipulation of the Supreme Court for special interests. And the fact that they're all sitting there together is very, very telling. There is more to this than just a filing mistake by Justice Thomas. This is at the heart of the network of billionaires who've tried to use the court to impose uh, public policies that they can't even get Republicans to vote for in Congress. And once you get into this, I think you've just got to keep digging until you've got the whole story. I want to go back to our voicemail box. Here's another message we received. Hello, this is Ron. I have always had tremendous faith in the Supreme Court in the past, but over the last year, maybe two, my support for the Supreme Court is waning, especially with the discovery of what's going on with Clarence Thomas. I think the Supreme Court needs to be held to a strict standard, a strict code of ethics. It needs to be established. But by who? That's the question. Now, Senator Whitehouse, your colleague, Democratic Senator Chris Murphy of Connecticut, reintroduced the Supreme Court Ethics Act earlier this year. And among other things, it would require the Judicial Conference of the U.S., which is headed by Chief Justice John Roberts, to create a code of ethics for the Supreme Court. Would that type of legislation help address some of the issues we're talking about today? Well, I prefer my legislation, which is why I wrote it. But yes, there is legislation that could help. Uh, the idea that we can't legislate in the administrative arena of ethics compliance in the judiciary because of separation of powers, I think is just fact, just wrong, legally wrong, factually wrong, and inconsistent with what we're allowed, to, what we've already done within the judiciary, and what nobody contests we can do within the executive branch. So, yes, there is a role for Congress. Um, I think that the code of ethics kind of already exists. Just a question of the uh, Supreme Court building the infrastructure to have the inbox, have the investigator, have the finder of fact, have somebody who applies the facts to the uh, ethics code and then makes a public determination. You don't even have to punish or sanction the judges. Just the fact that it's all disclosed, I think, sends a very, very powerful and salutary signal that this nonsense has to stop. So I, I, what I'm trying to understand is what requires the Supreme Court to do what you say needs to be done. Because if this is something that's that's needed, if we see trust in the Supreme Court eroding and a code of ethics would at least help to some degree ensure the public's trust in the justices, what is the lever there to, to, re, to force them to put that in place? I think pressure, the threat of legislation, uh, public pressure on the court, as your caller just said, the public confidence in the court collapses. And then I think particularly pressure from judges. Your caller from West Virginia, who was angry about having to report a $5 gift when 
he's not reporting a you know half million dollar vacation. Um, I think also pertains among other federal judges. I think that the other federal judges live in a world in which they're under the ethics code and there is an investigative capacity to hold their feet to the fire if they violate it. And there's public consequences uh, at the end of their uh, process. And they look at the Supreme Court and they see behavior that they know they would not be allowed to do. They see a complete failure of process that is a self-inflicted failure of process. And they see themselves and the, you know, the whole federal judicial branch being tarnished by these shenanigans on the Supreme Court. So I think there's going to be considerable pressure on the court. And I think the recent uh, decision by the judicial, judicial conference to slam this door shut on um, special interest vacations uh, under the personal hospitality exemption, as best they could, I think they really tried, is a signal that I think they're really fed up and that it wouldn't surprise me at all if the judicial conference became a lot more active in telling the chief justice, look, you guys, enough. Enough is enough. Well, in a letter to Chief Justice Roberts, the Senate Judiciary Committee says it plans to hold a hearing to discuss the Supreme Court's ethical standards in the coming days. That letter was sent a week ago. When can we expect that hearing? That is uh, Chairman uh, Durbin's prerogative to set the date, and um, I'll leave that decision to him. But I suspect it will be in you know the weeks ahead. Would you like to see Harlan Crow or Justice Thomas come to testify? I think the important thing before you bring in a witness is that you have prepared your case. Um, And I think we need a lot of uh, documents and a lot of facts to prepare the case. That's the problem with the Supreme Court that exists in a fact-free and investigation-free bubble, is that we don't actually know what took place. And where we think we know, it's not a statement uh, by uh, the justice that is uh, enforceable, right? If you take an official statement from somebody and it turns out that they lied, you now have recourse for the false statement. But if you've never taken a proper statement, if it's just being released by sources close to somebody, then there's no consequence at all and they can say whatever they like. So yes, I would obviously like to have uh, both Crow and Thomas come testify, but it's really important that we do the work that an ordinary lawyer does preparing for uh, testimony of figuring out what the facts are. I mean, there should be discovery before there is that hearing. Senator, do you have the support of your Republican colleagues in the Senate on this issue of judicial ethics? Yeah, I think it it varies. Senator Graham is the ranking member, the lead Republican on Senate Judiciary, and he has repeatedly uh, spoken about his frustration with the justices not having to comply with the disclosure rules that other judges do and that we in the Senate do. Uh, So I think at least uh, as to that, um, we've got a very willing ear there. Uh, Former Chairman Grassley of the Judiciary Committee has a very strong place in his heart for whistleblowers and for getting to the bottom of things. And um, I don't know where he's going to land, but he, uh, I could imagine him uh, being interested in getting to the bottom of this. Um, So it's going to be a, it's going to be a mix. That's one of the interesting things about the hearing is that it will force the Republican senators to come forward with what their position is and what they think needs to be done. Senator, before we let you go, to your mind, what is at stake here? If we get on the other side of this reporting and nothing of significance changes around 
ethics for the Supreme Court. What then? There's a larger problem around the Supreme Court with justices who were selected in a back room of the Federalist Society by big special interests who had huge anonymous donors write $15 million checks and $17 million checks to pay for their TV campaigns for their confirmations and who are constantly uh, presented with arguments by front groups who file amicus briefs without disclosing who's really behind them. And then in an astonishing statistical pattern, they do what those right-wing front groups say for them to do. So this ethics piece fits into that larger tapestry. And that larger tapestry puts the credibility and integrity of the court very, very much at risk. And this is the first thread, I think, to begin to pull. But if we end with, okay, he's refiled his uh, disclosure reports and he's paid his $10,000 fine, that's the end of it. I think we'll have missed the real import of what is going on in this toxic brew of billionaires, secrecy, front groups, and justices. That's Senator Sheldon Whitehouse. He's a Democratic senator representing Rhode Island. He also sits on the Senate Judiciary Committee. Senator, thank you for your time. Thank you. After the break, Jenny Thomas, the wife of Justice Thomas, was also present on the trips taken with Harlan Crow. She's also a GOP activist and founder of the conservative group Liberty Central. We'll talk more about that after the break. This message comes from NPR sponsor Viore, a new perspective on performance apparel. Clothing designed with premium fabrics, built to move in, styled for life. For 20% off your first purchase, go to viore.com slash NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor REI Co-op. REI has gear, clothing, classes, and advice for camping and glamping, biking and hiking, axing and snacksing, backpacking, and another outdoor thing that rhymes with backpacking. Visit your local REI Co-op or REI.com for the million and one ways you can opt outside. What does it mean to be black in America? In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as varied, nuanced, and dynamic as black experiences, you'll hear, it means everything. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcast. Today, we're talking about Supreme Court ethics rules or the lack thereof. Here's what Robinson thinks about it. I a thousand million percent think the Supreme Court needs a code of ethics. The fact that Justice Thomas could go years without reporting lavish gifts seems really like it should be under government oversight. Robinson, thanks for that message. I want to take a step back for a moment. Justice Thomas had already been in a a legal and ethical gray area when it comes to his wife, Jenny Thomas. Jenny Thomas spoke with the January 6th panel last year about texts she sent to former President Donald Trump's chief of staff, Mark Meadows, uh, about trying to overturn the 2020 election. And as we heard from Senator Whitehouse, Justice Thomas did not recuse himself from any cases involving the 2020 election, despite his wife's personal involvement. Josh, Jenny Thomas was also on these trips with Harlan Crow. She's a GOP activist, founder of the conservative group Liberty Central. How was Harlan Crow involved in her activities? Yeah, I mean, so as you said, she's uh, joined her husband on, on many of these trips. Um, but I think the most interesting connection there is is around Liberty Central, which is 
um, a Tea Party group um, that Ginny founded back around 2009, I believe, and which is now defunct. Um, and Politico reported uh, that uh, that this group received half a million dollars in funding from Harlan Crow. Uh, this is a group that also paid uh, Ginny a $120,000 salary. Um, and I think this is, uh, I mean, this was kind of the first, I think, significant um, revelation back, this came out in 2011, that there was something more to this relationship between Crow and Thomas, and that there was um, connections that had not, you know, that were not being revealed in these disclosures. We got this question from Stephen, who asks, shouldn't Harlan Crow's contributions to Jenny Thomas's GOP group be considered a bribe to the Thomas couple? Amanda, as far as we know, Crow himself has never had direct business with the court since Thomas joined it. So why is that relationship significant? Uh, well, yes, I suppose that because we think of judicial ethics as requiring more than just avoiding taking direct bribes. We also require the justices and judges to avoid the appearance of impropriety, to protect the reputation of the judiciary, and to avoid the potential influence that can come from accepting lavish gifts or accepting um, hospitality that's designed just as much uh, to get someone close to a justice, right? To, to ensure that there's, or to provide a mechanism by which someone can communicate with a justice, share their views, create a relationship. So when Harlan Crow was socializing with Jenny Thomas and Clarence Thomas, not only was he creating that close connection, but he was also able to tell his friends and the other groups that he works with that he has a close relationship to a justice. And I think that's an obvious concern that every justice who makes a new friend on the court should be thinking to themselves, how is this relationship going to potentially be used either to influence me or to suggest to others that I'm being influenced, even if that's not true. So the perception, the public perception of that relationship and the role it plays in the decisions the justices are making. Yes, the public perception matters. And in fact, the law talks about the need to avoid the appearance of impropriety, not just actual impropriety. Now, Justice Thomas maintains that he didn't need to report what he calls, quote, personal hospitality from a close from close personal friends. And we also got this from Robert, who says, if Justice Thomas is being invited to join his longtime friends on personal vacations, that's his business. So there is Clarence Thomas, the Supreme Court justice, and then there's Clarence Thomas, the, the person. Amanda, how can laws regulate the personal life of a justice, if at all? Yes, and I think that it really uh, is important to acknowledge the justices should have social lives. They should not live a monastic existences where they never socialize. We should allow room for that. We should also allow room for spouses to work and also have a full life. Um, and I think the laws do allow for that, and um, that that is appropriate. Um, however, that is different from what appears to have happened with Justice Thomas, and I should say he's also not completely alone. There are other examples of justice is doing more than just having friends. It's accepting lavish gifts and free plane rides um, and free yacht trips with friends. That's really a big step beyond just allowing a justice or acknowledging a justice's need to socialize. Josh, I see you nodding. Is this reporting you're continuing or can you share with us that's happening with other justices on the court? I'll say we're continuing to report um, and we will continue to report. Um, and if anyone listening uh, has information that we should know about any Supreme Court justice, uh, we'd love to hear from you. 
Is there a precedent for this? Marianne emailed wanting to know if there's any historical precedent for this type of behavior within the Supreme Court. Yes, there are a few examples of past misconduct by justices. Um, So, for example, Justice Abe Fortas, um, way back in the 1960s, it it was uncovered by great reporting, such as we had here with ProPublica, um, that he had accepted a $20,000 payment from a former client before he was on the court, a man named Lewis Wolfson, who was in trouble with the government. And Justice Fortas accepted that money, but then he rethought it before it became public, and he returned that payment. Nonetheless, when that came out a few years later, Justice Fortas resigned over the controversy about accepting money from a private individual while on the court. So that's one example, one precedent. Other justices have misstepped. So, for example, sitting on cases in which they'd own stock ownership, Justices Breyer and Alito have had some examples of that. Um, And so there's been other ethical violations. But I think the key here is what Senator Whitehouse said, which is, we don't know what we don't know. So we have great reporters like your guest Josh Kaplan here and his co-authors who spend months investigating and doing FOIA requests and digging, and they find this. But there may be things they haven't been able to find, and we shouldn't be relying on reporters digging for months to learn these kinds of uh, facts about justices and their um, acceptance of, of gifts. I mean, I wouldn't better understand the role Chief Justice John Roberts plays here. How much power does he have to simply say, we're going to do things differently? Yes. Yeah, so um, the Chief Justice is known as the first among equals, which means he's the leader of the federal judiciary, but he also just has one vote on the court. But that point about him being the leader of the federal judiciary is a role which I, I wish he would um, uh, take uh, more actively at this moment in time. I wish he would uh, step up because he does have power. So he could, for example, as I mentioned before, say that a justice who does not appear to be following recusal laws or uh, financial disclosure laws will not be assigned opinions while he is able to control who assigns the opinion when he's in the majority. Or, for example, the chief justice could order an investigation. Or he could say, from here on in, we will abide by the code of ethics and it is binding on us, even though that code of ethics, as we've been discussing, only applies to the lower courts. And the chief justice has said that the justices should follow it as guidance, but not that they're required to. So Chief Justice John Roberts could do all of these things, and I think he should show leadership and do that for the sake of his court and the judiciary as a whole. Turning back to history here, Amanda, historically, what attempts have been made to strengthen the code of ethics for the Supreme Court? Yes. So for at least the last 12 years, um, there's been a number of members of Congress who've been pushing to strengthen the ethical rules governing the justices. So your guest, Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, uh, has been a leader on this, as as has uh, Senator Chris Murphy and Representative Hank Johnson. And they've pushed for uh, legislation. They proposed bills that would require that the justices be subject to a code of conduct like all the lower court judges are. And in fact, they've tried to push the Supreme Court to create one of their own, which would be ideal, but so far hasn't happened. And they've also pushed for more disclosure around recusal decisions and to have the full court decide recusal rather than to have each justice decide for him or herself whether to step aside. That's all proposed legislation that's still on the table today. We got this question from Bob in Cincinnati who says, can Supreme Court justices be impeached and federal district judges too, for that matter? I mean, what would it take for a Supreme Court justice to be impeached? Uh, Yes, justices can be impeached um, for bribery, treason, and high crimes and misdemeanors under the Constitution. 
it would have to be that more than half the House of Representatives voted to impeach them and then two-thirds of the Senate voted to convict. So it's really what Congress thinks is an impeachable offense. And I should add, I really hope we don't get to that point. That's an extraordinary remedy. It's very rarely used as it should be rarely used. I'd like to think we could use some tools in our toolbox to accomplish some of these goals without going to impeachment. Josh, what parts of this investigation are you still waiting for answers on? Um, I mean, I think one large open question surrounding all this is, um, you know, the question of influence. I mean, there's still, uh, you know, we've asked Justice Thomas for an interview. We've asked um, Harlan Crow for an interview. Um, we have not been able to have an extended conversation with either of them, and Justice Thomas has not responded to any of our questions before we publish any of our stories. And so, um, you know, we know very little about the discussions that have gone on between these two men in their many years of spending days together in private all around the world. Um, we don't know. It's still an open question if... Uh, Harlan Crow has had any influence on Thomas's views, you know, whether that's directly or indirectly. I think that's a, a really important question to resolve here. Um, yeah, I, I mean, more broadly, we've heard very little from Justice Thomas. Uh, he released a statement, uh, a rare public statement after our first story, but um, you know, even our second story, we went to him with detailed questions. He didn't respond, and we still haven't heard from him. Well, Amanda, the reporting by ProPublica and the Washington Post make multiple revelations about these financial disclosures from Justice Thomas. What does this mean for him moving forward, regardless of what happens with these questions about strengthening the ethics code? What does it mean for him as a justice? Well, first I'll say I was impressed that this uh, terrific reporting actually produced a response from Justice Thomas, because typically he does not respond, which is part of the problem, the lack of accountability, the lack of explanation. Um, but second, I'll say that response to me was really telling because what he said is, well, I was misadvised and I didn't understand. And I might be a little more sympathetic for, about that except for a couple of facts. One is that he has repeatedly failed to financially disclose information that he later says, oops, sorry, I didn't realize or I misunderstood. This is not the first time. And it suggests either a sloppiness on his part or perhaps a sense that the law doesn't truly apply to him. And that's troubling not just because of the ethical violations, but because he is also responsible for enforcing the law for the rest of us. And he does so very harshly. I'll just say last term, he voted in a, he was the, wrote the majority opinion in a case in which individuals sentenced to death were uh, told they could not get a new trial, even though they'd been uh, received ineffective assistance of counsel. So he's hard on others, just not himself. That's Amanda Frost. She's a professor of law at the University of Virginia and studies judicial ethics. Also with us, Josh Kaplan. He's a reporter at ProPublica who worked on the investigation into the relationship between Republican billionaire donor Harlan Crow and Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. Josh, Amanda, thanks to you both. Today's producer was Jorgelina Mana Rea. This program comes to you from WAMU, part of American University in Washington, distributed by NPR. I'm Jen White. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk again tomorrow. This is 1A. This message comes from NPR sponsor E-Trade from Morgan Stanley. 
Take control of your financial future with E-Trade. No matter what kind of investor you are, their tools and resources can help you be ready for what's next. Now when you open an account, you can get up to $1,000 with a qualifying deposit. Terms apply. Learn more at eTrade.com slash NPR. Investing involves risks. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney LLC. Member SIPC. E-Trade is a business of Morgan Stanley. Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Learning. IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com NPR. This election season, you can expect to hear a lot of news, some of it meaningful, much of it not. Give the Up First podcast 15 minutes, sometimes a little less, and we'll help you sort it out what's going on around the world and at home. Three stories, 15 minutes, Up First every day. Listen every morning, wherever you get your podcasts.